Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. I'm Sonia Lennon. And I'm Brendan Courtney, and you're listening to the Lennon Courtney podcast. This week, it's the Thinking Woman's Guide to Toxic Masculinity. It's a concept that has become part of mainstream conversation that seems to tar men with a negative brush. What does it actually mean? In this episode, we define, dissect and explore its effect on men, women and society as a whole. This is the Thinking Woman's Guide to Toxic Masculinity. So why did we decide to do... To- I, toxic Masculinity was my idea. Yeah. Yeah. I was, And I think it's really a response to the horrendousness of um, Ukraine. Um, and, you know, I, like I was thinking, you know... In my head, I was thinking, this is the worst of mankind. It's the worst of it. You know, mm. it's as bad as it gets. That kind of um, just grim, ego-driven, you know, lacking in empathy in any anything. I mean, I was talking to a psychologist the other day and in, in the conversation, it was in a group and somebody said, you know, Putin, discuss. And she said, Putin is a psychopath. Um I could have told you 15 years ago this was going to happen. Um, but because his behaviour was so bombastic and so almost iconoclastic and so detached from any reality that we know, people poo-pooed him and lampooned him and thought he was a fool. Um, but he displayed every attribute of um, sociopath, psychopath. Um, and this was coming. I just thought, oh my God, have we not evolved as as a human race? Have we not evolved beyond this point? And Zelensky, is that his name, the Ukrainian president? On yeah. the way here, I heard on the radio, the Drahad Art Centre saying, he came here and did a comedy show. I didn't know who he was. Very polite fellow. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have the, the parallel experience. It's, isn't that really interesting? He yeah. came here and did a comedy show at wow. the festival. I was like, I... I um, I was thinking since all of this began what I'm really fascinated is how does one man have so much power to to upend an entire continent and that's fascinated me and what you've described makes sense right but it was the picture with Putin and Conor McGregor that really clicked a sort of a chain of thought in my head so I think Conor represents a lost man a man who is not represented or listened to or, or heard and but also see I come from I'm a man and I've come from a very toxic masculine generation school in the 80s where you played football and I mean I remember looking at the lads I, I was thinking about this last I want to tell you this is these two fellas and they were kind of rough and nobody really liked them but they in their heads they were hard men but they hung out with me and a good group kind of I won't say their names and uh one of them was talk like that, right? And he was running the and it was all a performance. Do you know what I mean? The whole thing was a performance. And he walked like shoulders went for and I remember I was the same age as him and going, he must be exhausted with that masquerade of masculinity of no fuck you and like puppies you know, banging chests. And so there was a pressure to be that kind of toxic masculine. And I think that pressure still exists within young boys in school and and and, and I think our woke culture is trying to silence that voice and not bringing them to the table. And something part of our course, now I haven't fully joined the dots on it. Here's how prevalent Conor McGregor is. I was coming through an airport in Turks and Caicos and the guy looked at my passport in the, in the British West Indies and said, oh, I'm Conor McGregor. And I just thought, God, he really is speaking to a generation of men. And I think 
I find that interesting and I think it's it's fascinating that I feel that they're being pushed into away from the main conversation in a way. Anyway, it's very interesting that Conor McGregor's photograph of Putin on their arm in arm. Now that was at the World Cup and by the way, Russia was hosting some semi-final of the World Cup and he was, Putin invited Conor. He's obviously he's a fan. Um, I'm talking about Conor like I know him. He's my mate or anything. I don't for full disclosure. But I just found it interesting that I do think he's a sportsman and he's he's vilified often in his home country for lots for behaviours and stuff like that that's sometimes gossip sometimes in fact we don't know the ins and outs of it but I do still think and people will be surprised that I think that he represents a man who is I think slightly alienated and ostracised by liberal society yeah, and I think this this notion that if if you want to start at the top, right, and you want to talk about you know what what is toxic masculinity, right, um, and and it is widely believed to have three core components, which is toughness, the notion that men should be physically strong, emotionally callous, and behaviorally aggressive, right, anti-femininity, and this is really interesting because a lot of the the the, the research, the psychological re- research around toxic masculinity, um cites this kind of uh, identity built on opposition, right? So I am this man because I am not in any way woman. Yeah. Right. So that means um, the idea that a man should reject anything that is considered to be feminine, such as showing emotion or accepting help. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of really sad. So I, all, all of what you just described, I figured out when I was 12. Mm. I got it because I was like, why was Puff or Gay, the Gaylord, the Gaylord, missed that word. Puff <laughs> and Gaylord, the worst thing you could be Own called. it, bring it back. Yeah, but I love it actually. I, and there is a Gaylord, isn't there, in the movie? Anyway, um, uh I remember being in the schoolyard and puffing games. Oh, don't call me that because then they'll beat me up. And then I remember going, yeah, I am. I I do like boys. (laughs) Um, And so I became less afraid of it. And I sort of realised, now I wasn't thrilled about it either at that age. I didn't want to be different. But what I realised was they they were riding this idea or, or it was bred into them that if you show any vulnerability, you are less attractive to the opposite sex. You are not man. Mm. You are weaker. Mm. And so to show weakness in the pack... Or empathy or, or empathy. anything. But to show weakness in the pack also means that you won't attract a mate. So it's actually really primal mm-hmm. and it's really basic. And I figured that out. It was like, oh, they have to act like that to look tough in the pack so they can be the leader of the pack so they can get the best sexual partner or so they can be as so, so oh my god so exhausting so when you kind of drop all those shekels and you're a gay man it's such a fucking relief, relief. to go oh god I don't have to act like that and just to come back the third aspect just to, to round it out for anybody who's hanging on, a, on mm-hmm. a cliff waiting to hear what the third component is is power which is exactly what you're talking about so this is the assumption that men must work towards obtaining power and status social and financial so that they can gain the respect of others and that includes a sexual partner right but I think what is really um, evident is that it's not working, <laughs> right? So regardless of whether this... Well, well men it's not commit, working for women. <laughs> men com- commit 90% of homicides in yeah, the no, United no, States. That's what I mean. It's represent not... 77% of homicide victims. So, you know, and, and have a 35 uh, time higher su- suicide rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from that point of view, it's not working. So 100%. it's not working from the men who are yeah. living in this way either. And it's a very <clears> difficult <throat> cycle to try and break. So I have sat 
in at parties with a group of men younger than me and talked about explain what gay but, and they were like enlighten them and that it's just kind of like you and I, I remember sitting in the party with a group of men I think I've told you this before and saying oh my god the urge to, to ride everything goes and they were like really? I was like I promise it goes because when you're a young man it's you're fueled by this insane desire to have sex all the time you're at yourself all the time like and every man is the same right? <laughs> it's, not, it's like and it's just I remember being, it's just exhausting just fucking go away I just want this desire and so I, I, I understand that desire as well so that's also at the back of it so is this the testosterone that's to get the hunter and gather and that's sexuality agnostic absolutely right so that is also that also convinces you that that behaviour is almost in some way appropriate and normal natural natural even but you're right it's, it's not working but you ha- I think there's a, you know it's very it's, I love my favourite conversation about this is with men Listen, I, I, you know, I'm having very different conversations um, when I'm speaking now, uh, doing loads of talks for International Women's Day and, the, and, and have been doing for years, right? But the conversations are different now. And so, you know, to, to a, a sort of international audience yesterday, I was able to say the words, and it was equal men and women, I was able to say the words toxic masculinity and what that means. And to talk about um, creating cultures where you give perme- men permission to to be empathetic and, and that that's normalised in a culture. And, and I think that's what's missing that, you know, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, this piece of research about men and women's capacity to be empathetic. Um, and, and it's widely believed, oh, women are much more empathetic than men. Actually, neurologically and psychologically, they're not. OK, so they did this. Incredible, As in there's no difference. There's no difference. So they did this incredible experiment where they tested for empathy. And what they discovered was in in the neurology and the psychology, there is no difference between men and women in the capacity to display empathy. What is different is the social reward. Right. So women are socially rewarded for being empathetic. Men are not. I had another, apart from school and listening to the boys around me and seeing, it's exhausting. When I went to London, I became business partners with lovely David Green, who's mm-hmm. adorable, straight man, and his Georgie brother, Steve Green, who I still am great friends with. And we were part of, a, a, there was a, six of us at one point partners. Uh, there was six, me, me, the gay, and then five straight lads. And we'd always have a straight soundy, and there was just a group of straight lads in their late 20s, early 30s. And we would travel, and they would often not know I was gay because I hadn't opened my mouth, for example, right? But they wouldn't know, and I... And the way that they spoke to each other. I did three rallies across America with them with 150 cars speeding, you know, top level cars, top level execs. Just boys and their toys, right? Three weeks across America. Absolute ground zero for, for masculinity. The, a former CEO of it, of one of the big tech companies, I won't say because I can't remember what it is, did it, <laughs> did it in a decommissioned fighter jet, oh hovered above God. the rally like a total wanker like unbelievable and he was worth billions and whatever um, that ended really weird that's another story though. but um, like Nick Cowell Simon Cowell's brother did it and all these the way they spoke to each other because I was filming it was exhausting it was constant banter Shop, you faggot. I was like, oh my god, do you like? Do you ever want to just have a normal conversation with each other about like, do you like ice cream? <laughs> do you ever just want to relax the cack? So I mean, I felt honestly, all I feel for that as a man who's come away, you know, broke away from it and stopped ever trying to pretend because I couldn't pretend, is is sympathy and and pity and empathy because it's exhausting for yeah. for men to have so to, performative, to put it? that on all the time. And then when they're in school and it's a boys' school, like what the fuck is that about boys only schools? That breeds it. 
that breeds it because they're competing and then sport for all it's good breeds it you know because it's competition competition strength strength so that's why I really hated sport as well growing up now I don't mind it so much I don't like sport (laughs) sport's stupid I like dancing Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's because sport does so much good. It does. It really does. In terms of community, and in to terms be honest, of drive, in terms of. And I've sat, sat pitch side uh, only once or twice in my life, and and saw the camaraderie and was jealous of that and thought I. And I'd, understanding how to work in a team. Yeah, no, it's it's cute. I do I do take that, but growing up in Ireland, GAA when my, I was a teenager was not cute it was not pretty and it was really tough not, not anymore it's all very inclusive now I know mm. but when I was a teenager it was tough mm. but it, it bred that toxic masculinity you know toughen up toughen up I remember my dad trying to toughen me up <laughs> how did that work out? I screamed and ran off <laughs> Stand up, catch that football, hit me in the face that was the end of that you know but it didn't work out my dad was very intelligent from 14 seven brothers and seven sisters and four of the brothers were boxers um, and they were a toxic masculine family you know, but they were very of their era they weren't it was down the pub it was she dares gets a few slaps it was my dad wasn't like that but there was a lot of violence there was a lot it was normalised there was a lot of fights in pubs it was all very normalised but my parents were always slightly appalled by it I remember they would they didn't they weren't very physical and um my dad was always quite he was quite rational my dad he had a kind of good sense of right and wrong but I was on building sites with my dad and the way that men spoke to each other but my dad looked down his nose at that I remember he read all the time he was very well read and he would play along with it but in the car on the way home he'd say to me gang of wankers like he he he's, he would point out to me that that wasn't how men should behave and I think What's interesting is that there is a very strong correlation between toxic masculinity and men not seeking preventative care. So, so actually, now we we would because I wanted to dive into that, right? Because I think we I was thinking the the other thing we have to mention, obviously, is a violence against women, random acts of violence, and particularly Ashley Murphy, which stopped the world in its tracks, right? She's going for a run. I I mean, <clears throat> that is toxic masculinity, Absolutely. right? Right there, right? That's exactly the one it, when it all the storm clouds collide and it forms this perfect pinpoint moment where a man just thinks he can take what he wants, right? So finish your point on with so, that in mind. So, so my point with that in mind is that, you know, toxic masculinity has been around since the dawn of time, I think, you know, in terms of that kind of primal posturing. Um, but now we're in a time where uh, women's voices are being heard um, where there is massive um, social change and upheaval, some for good, some for bad. And I think, you know, when you look at cultures that have really suppressed women um, and... Continue to. And continue to and and have accelerated the suppression of women, like Afghanistan and, you know, and you look at these increasing acts of violence, they are um, the product of a collision between toxic masculinity and fear and displacement. So so you take a man who has that toxic masculinity and you make him feel afraid for his own social positioning because of the rise of women um, that creates a horrendous result. And, and so there is that sort of abrasive of what I was saying about, um, you know, not toxic men who display toxic masculinity, not wanting to seek preventative care. And that means physically or mentally or emotionally. Um, they don't go and seek uh, help for um, mental health issues because it's weakness. They don't go and seek help. And, you know, I know loads of men who 
won't go to the doctor. Do you? Yeah, I do. I do. And, you know, it's kind of perceived as a, as a bit of weakness. Really? Yeah. Still? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Stick your finger up your bum and check your prostate quickly. One in eight men will get cancer. Honestly. Yeah. Honestly. And, and you know, never mind the physical um, entity of the self, the, the, the mental entity of the self and, and, and carrying around that burden of that performance. And, and it is, you're right, it is an absolutely huge burden. And I think that idea that, you know, men can be as empathetic as women, like, it's almost like we need to give men permission it's okay, you know? And I think it'll take more than that. But I think that if you look at the, the next generation coming up, they're more hardwired for equality. They're more hardwired for emotional intelligence, emotional maturity. Oh, there's definitely a movement within men that you can see of men who are just like, and, and they're, they're normally, in my experience, and it's just my experience, uh, which I love, they're normally super confident in their sexuality. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the really interesting thing. That if, you're, if you stop trying to be what you feel you need to be, the release that that creates is, is just... Massive confidence. Massive confidence. Yeah. Massive increase in self-esteem. And there was recent um, research published uh, from the ERSI um, around the benefits of men participating in early, uh, early year care of children. And, and that, that, that benefit is reciprocal both for the child and the father. You know, and, and that's whether it's in same sex or heterosexual relationship, single parent, whatever it might be. It's, it's, it's again, it's sexuality agnostic. It's about men getting involved in caring at a very early stage. Yeah, but there is that. I'm going to say this because I know people are th- will be thinking that people, cynical people like me. But there is that annoying wanker with the baby in a papoose walking in front of the girlfriend. through. I'll the ca- take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Will you? I- I'll take it. Will you? And even if it kind of slightly makes my eye twitch, I'll take it. I'll take it over the alternative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alternative, which is is a, a, a toxic masculine man yeah. refusing to get involved it's I'd rather take the papoose yeah it's really, yeah <laughs> you You'll can have it <laughs> that's a t-shirt I'll take the papoose you know I, I've spoken before I've you know I encourage everybody to do the Harvard implicit bias test uh, which is open source uh, longitudinal research through Harvard and you can go in and you can test yourself for and your it's own. free isn't it it's free you can do as many as you want um, and you test yourself for your own unconscious biases right and you can test for biases against gender body identity sexuality religion race anything there's loads of them loads and loads of them. I've done loads of them um, and, and, and the, in, as part of the research around unconscious bias and, and one of them was around w- women and men in the workplace and my unconscious bias was in favour of men in the workplace against women in the workplace so, or, so yeah. I, it, my subconscious brain believes that men are more have more right to be in the workplace than women. Now, I <laughs> really, 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 and and how they do it is really it's interesting. Be a headline. <laughs> how they do it is really interesting because you you ha- it's it's yes no right or wrong answers right, um, but they don't test you on your response. They test you on how long it takes you to get to that response. So, how much brain thinking do you have to do to get the right answer instead of your intuitive response? So they're te- they're testing how long oh, it takes you nice. to get there. So it's really really smart. We we that's so embedded mm. in the DNA of our social stories. But I'm I'm going somewhere with this, right? Yeah. So the next one is Joanne McNally, dear friend of ours. Uh, her big part of her stand up is that she goes for the bad boy, and she goes for the bit of rough, 
and he's got to be a tradesman and he's oh, right, yeah, he's so he's emotionally detached he's ch- so women find bad boys attractive so there's also that pressure so get your shit together bitches what's going on there I, I wonder is there a kind of a right rite of passage um, where you in your formative dating years um, you, you do find the bad bad boy attractive and you, why is that though um, that's a bit of freeze on there's a bit of danger there's a bit of risk he's obviously kind of a slightly alpha in that you know so going back to the primal bit and, and by the way I'm not proud of this but I mean I certainly in my early dating career you know had a string of wankers wankers yeah and, and then at a certain point in your life cycle as a human you go hang on a goddamn second <laughs> this is not working for me and you know, I think there's, there is research existing around the amount of firstborns who are not the product of the official partner. Right. So it's about, you know, on a primal level, we're kind of saying, OK, I'm going to marry you because you're, you're, you're going to create financial security and, and, and a safety zone. But I'm actually going to ride you and have your child because you are more likely to go and uh, grapple with the bear. At the end so, of the so, day. But go, there, so there we're talking about the men We ju- society judges a man who doesn't pay the bill back a step women like the bad boy right so then go back a, a, to a point to a point but then go back a further step so if men are aware of that right so if we are all acknowledge that an alpha male is it seems like a better fit for procreation maybe let's go back to genetics right Is there a genetic predisposition and a place for toxic masculinity in society at its core? I don't think so. I don't mm. think... It, no, no, wait now. Wait now. Wait now. That's me banging my chest. I don't think so. And Here I'll tell you why. Here comes the female ape. I'll tell you why. <laughs> when, they, when they look at behaviours of um, boys and girls under five, okay. they see no difference between their ability to display emotion, display empathy, kindness, all of that kind of stuff. Sharing... And then the the social stories that we layer upon the human being mm. create the, the reality. And Gina Rippon's amazing book, The Gendered Brain, explodes the myth that men and women are different. Yeah. We're not. But the stories and the and the social constructs that we've layered on top have created expectations. The gendered brain is brilliant oh, and it's really so funny. So good. It's very funny as well, actually. It's a good book. Okay, so that's the end of that. <laughs> Back in your box, Courtney. Well, <laughs> I suppose full circle on where I started with this conversation. Uh, having sat in a room with men, and even though I think toxic masculinity is toxic, and I don't think it's good for anyone, and I think it's particularly bad for women and society, I, I feel a connection with those men that surprises them. Um, because I feel really sorry for them, because I think that's a, mm. such a... Bur- like, if you think about running... If the attacker, imagine what's in that brain. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, like, like that's that's a very that's a completely destroyed person. That they're ga- that's game over for them, right? So what's happened to bring them to that place? So I I, I do feel to, to to reach out to those men and bring them into the conversation. hundred percent is the only way to do it. Yeah. And actually, when you do it, when they're drunk in a party, and you get response, you listen. You feel the pain, and you just acknowledge their pain, and they'll get you, and they'll go, "Fucking hell, yeah, Jesus Christ!" You know, and they will open up. It's it, and I think there's a, but there's a huge body of work to do. I I was actually listening to what they're doing in Afghanistan on the radio this morning. Oh my god! Like, and they were had the minister for foreign affairs from the Taliban justifying stopping girls going, returning to school 
I mean, it just begs belief. And actually, yesterday I retweeted something going, and people question International Women's Day. Fuck off! Like, come on. So there is a massive problem there. There's a bigger problem afoot in society at the moment, and and men will know this, and no men probably listen to this. Is actually banter. The way men speak to each other is a is a new is a different language to how women speak to each other. I have sat in the two groups, and men only communicate through banter, and then as they marry off or meet a partner they disappear back from that group because that group is hard work mm. unless they're really connected with one or two good friends that they've you know gone to school with and grown up with and they really connect with them and there's an honesty and a love there but the wider group dissipates in my experience with men because it's just exhausting that mm. the, the way they communicate with each other and I do know all of my straight male friends have one really good friend they tend to have one really good friend they rely heavily on their mothers and their partners, you know, because they pull back from those big groups where women tend to grow their groups. You see, I suppose... Now, that's a very big generalisation, yeah, but that's yeah. my experience. And, and I think if you're going to talk about solutions, um, you know, like we're, we're doing a huge work, a huge body of work with Lyft at the moment in secondary schools. So there's 220 secondary schools now um, rolling out the Lyft programme. And Lyft is about kind of helping people to understand characteristics of good leadership to lead themselves and others, right? So that's respect, empathy, listening, competence, determination, all the good stuff, all the kind of foundational character values that help people to understand their place in the world. Um, and it's really, really interesting. We've just got a, um, a whole body of um, feedback and research back from the um, from the secondary schools around the impact of lift roundtables on young men and women. And they're talking about, um, you know, a 95% greater understanding of how to lead yourself. Um, They're talking about um, feeling less disconnected from society. They're talking about a greater sense of self-esteem and self-control. Like that, that, to me, there's been a a gap um, before Lyft where... um, we live in a world where any sort of character guidance has has fallen away. So, you know, where the church may or may not have offered that in the past, it certainly doesn't now. And where parents would have instilled core values in their children. Um, frankly, they're too busy now. <laughs> they're working, you know, two jobs, coming home, doing the dinner and they're exhausted. And so that that kind of foundational character building piece has been sort of floating. So do you think it's too late for people over 25? Uh, no, I think the over twenty five. I think I think it's prob. I think there's probably a sense of obsolescence for those over forty who just don't get it. Um, but I think below that, um, certainly the discussions. What's that obsolescence I, mean? Uh, no function, no purpose. Okay. You're over. Goodbye. Um, and so the conversations that. So they f- feel that about themselves. Do you think? No, I think society will say, "I'm not wasting my time trying to educate you. You're you're beyond help." Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, because I've seen it. I've seen it like, you know, around these EDI conversations, you know, you're you're you have a choice. You can either turn to the sort of militant um, opposer of the idea. Taxi driver, for example. Whatever. Yeah. Or, or, or the toxic masculine CEO. Um, and you can say, uh, OK, so these are the good reasons why you're not gonna you should anywhere. have an inclusive environment. Not only are you going to have a better bottom line, you're going to have more engaged employees, you're going to be a greater magnet for new talent acquisition and everybody's going to be happier. Isn't that a good reason? And he may 
or she may never get it. And there are she's there as well. Don't get me wrong. Even though Solani doesn't want them to be there. No, I'm not mad about them. I'm not mad about them. But... Or the choice is you, you turn to them and try and educate them or you turn to the ones who get it and ask them to create a virality around the message and to use their influence, particularly men, to influence other men who may get it. Um, and so you have to, I suppose, when you're looking at kind of social change, you have to mind your energy and only put it where mm. you can get the best results. And, I, and so that's spreading. It is definitely spreading. And by the way, it's fragile, so we have to protect it. And so uh, it's... You're, you you sound kind of like you're obsolescent about people in power that you think that, that that's a difficult to get to that position you have to be a bit of a sociopath no, no, no. I don't think so no, no I don't think so at all and a, a lot of the sort of leadership research is showing um, that those perceived soft skills which are actually much harder than the hard skills um, are where the wins are um, so those leaders who are living inclusive leadership and bringing people into the fold and, and, and so the qualities... Are winning. They're winning. And so the qualities that you're asking people to, to really grab hold of are openness, um, humility, vulnerability, uh, listening, you know, trying to see other perspectives. And, and, and because of the world we live in and because of, um, you know, on, on a fundamental level, the war for talent in, in business... They have no choice. Mm. If if they don't, if they don't authentically grasp that form of leadership, nobody's going to want to work for that company because every every graduate is coming out and they're checking the gender pay gap. What's your gender pay gap in your organisation? What values are on your wall? And actually, sorry, I, who's checking the gender? Every graduate, men so and women. There, yes, there's recent res- research to show that particularly women are checking. Yeah. Are checking I don't think ge- men are checking the gender pay gap. No. Do you think they are? No, I think it's I think it's women. Oh, yeah, women, yeah. women are checking yeah. um, to see is there gender pay gap in this organisation and do I have a place and do I have progression opportunities? Go on. Did you see on International Women's Day there was a bot tweeting at every saw company that. Yeah. every company that was tweeting say happy International Women's Day to our employee. We women are so strong part of the world but this bot was going in and retweeting the percentage gender, of gender pay, gap. pay gap within that company. Go away. Yeah. And because all that That's information amazing. is in the public domain, they could just scrape it and and push it back to That's, them, and really counter that, any platitudes that were just. That's quite, great, though, you know, isn't it? Yeah, quite washing, equality washing. Um, this whole our whole journey with EDI started uh, because I was doing a talk at a company in Cork, and it was women and gays and uh, and LGBTQ plus and women. And it was EDI day, and one smart ass. Remember, I told you the story. Put her hand up at the very end any questions and Sarah sat beside me and she had organised the whole thing and this one woman put her hand up at the back of the class and this is say six years ago sorry yeah only five or six years ago not that long ago and said uh, next time can we have more men here and thank God I thought of it I just went and I, it was a genuine I said oh are they not invited and Sarah went yes they were invited and they didn't come and that struck a conversation with us you remember about allyship about how to get them into the room but that was my absolute start in that like why aren't they oh could you could dust off work I mean the average age is 20 <laughs> do you know what I mean because you're 25 you're in your yeah. 20s and no, no, it's Thursday morning free coffee and buns like why weren't they there it was a little dust off and maybe open your mind a little bit and hear someone else speak you know they, of course you would get up from your desk and go down there was none there was two straight men there and 400 women and gays I was like this is fascinating yeah. why they're not here. And not what what really stuck in me was the fact that she didn't think of that. Mm. That she was like, it's all your, it's the women's fault they're not here. The what the fuck are you talking about? It's not the women's fault that they're not here. And that's what she thought. And in a way, that woman or that type of woman is a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you go back to the fear 
of men, men's fear of being in the room. And and I think fundamentally it comes down to fear of causing offence. So either they're afraid of their masculinity being dinted at the worst end of the scale or at the best end of the scale. They want to get involved, but they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Well, I think we, we're hearing that left, right and centre from people yeah. um, saying about their sons or their daughters or, you know, the sons or their husbands or their boyfriends saying, do you know what, I just don't know what to say. So just And I've heard that from loads of yeah. my, my brother's friends and stuff like that or my nephews just don't know what to say anymore. Um, and that's an interesting conversation as well because I or always non-conversation well I, well I always feel like saying if you don't know what to say probably don't say it yeah. <laughs> like you, your gut will tell you if it's you know if it's inappropriate probably don't say it I think it's an easy enough one right yeah yeah I, I think I think you don't want to suppress curiosity though and I think so no 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 but, but what I'm th- what I'm thinking about is banter well that's ba- different yeah they, they're t- in my head they're talking about banter do something a bit of banter well no banter's not cool Banter yeah. should be banter yeah. stupid. Banter is proster- is posturing, right? Yeah. Fuck off with your banter. Yeah. No, I like a bit of banter myself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like to say. Yeah, no, but banter is different to humour, right? Now, well, banter- okay, toxic ban- banter. There you go. Yeah. That's a different thing. Yeah. It's a subset of banter. Sorry, I talked over you there because you were going to say something about that uh, about. Um, before I went, you, you, I said men are afraid to speak, mm. and I said you said it's because they're not included. And how do we include them? And mm. I said, well, in my head it was banter, but you're right. There's two sides to mm. it, really, isn't it? Mm. They're literally afraid to. They are afraid to speak. But actually, here's another. I, this this was in my head as well. Somebody said, I'm afraid to say anything. Oh, you get to hide behind that now because it's all our fault because yeah, we're left exactly. and liberal. Fuck off. Go yeah. educate yourself, Transfer pal. Transfer the blame. Transfer the blame. And I was like a little bit. Well, and actually, that was my point, and it came up in in one of the talks yesterday. Was around I'm swearing a lot today. Sorry, yeah, 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 you're all excited. Um, uh, was around um, if you are curious about um, a, a group that you don't identify with, that there is an onus on you to do a sort of a basic level of research, which is in the public domain, to understand as much as you can before you ask the curious questions. Yeah. So, so no, you know, do your research. Google is there for a reason, you know. So, you know, if 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 you don't understand somebody's, uh, you know, religion, for example, and you want to know a little bit more, you know, go, go and learn enough to know what questions to ask. I find a lot of the question, and sorry, we could go on with this all day, we better shut up soon. A lot of the question I hear is about, God, I don't even know if I can flirt at work anymore. Well, no, you can't flirt at work. Well, it's not appropriate to flirt at work, you stupid dick. Like, like you, you, you can tell if there's a chemistry between somebody and you just maybe... You take it offside. You take it offside and you send an email and say, oh, would you like a drink or you meet... You Don't know. put it in an email. Not the work computer. Oh, yeah, put it in an email. Have a paper trail, that's what I say. She started it. She followed me first. <laughs> My favourite as well, though, that um, if you fancy someone at work and the internet, the, the, like, I'm thank God the internet didn't exist when we were starting work because the internet stalking thing that people do the younger people that if they, they like somebody on the internet stalking but then apparently there's certain apps that you can get that you can see people are looking at you and screen grabbing you and stuff like that yeah so what are we putting on the t-shirt we came to it earlier oh we on. came to it earlier yeah, uh, it? yeah I t- I'll, I'll take Poncho the papoose I'll take the papoose <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I'll take the poncho. Why not? Both. I'll take the papoose and then put a poncho over it. <laughs> <laughs> the Lennon Courtney podcast is an Exceed Potential production. Esther O'Mordonahu is producer and social media is managed by Julie Gartland with special thanks to D-Ready at Go Loud. Follow at Lennon Courtney on all social media platforms with the latest news and updates. New episodes are released every Thursday. Mm-hmm.